Revolution. Long live um, the French. Or Long live Stop the Steal. Stop the Stop, stop the, the count. Steal. Stop the Steal. Stop the Steal. Stop the steal. Four more years. <laughs> Four more Twelve years. more Four years. How old is that man? Who is the um? Who's the what? Is it Roosevelt that went for like four terms no, or something? Yeah, yes. that was uh, FDR. No, yeah. sorry, no FDR. Yeah. Oh, well, Roosevelt is, Roosevelt is also FDR. Yeah, yeah. Federal Delano yeah, yeah. Roosevelt. Yeah. Yep. Frank Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah, I think, He's, if I remember correctly, Eleanor Roosevelt like yeah. his cousin or something. But anyway, yeah, he won the f- yeah, yeah he won the fourth term and died soon after. Exactly. Because World War Two is being the president during World War Two and the Great Depression is pretty stressful. It's kind of crazy now that I think about it, because that means that dude was at least president for twelve years then. Yeah. In a row. Yeah. That's actually so weird to think about, because like, like when I think about it, it's like, like for me, it must be so interesting uh, having a constitutional monarchy, because for like me, like I just know Obama, like for the most part, that's what I remember, and it was weird having a new president. I remember that in college when I was like, saying, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, it's not Obama anymore. Like I was so used to him for eight years, and then uh, yeah, I, I like vaguely remember Bush. Yeah. I don't remember because Bush politics all. politics was big in my family. Oh, like that's the only reason I remember Bush. Uh, yeah, my, I uh, don't I Cheney. Remember. I didn't know Bush. I do not remember Bush much at all. I don't remember nine eleven. Yeah, same. I'm, I don't remember. I'm unpatriotic. All. Kill me now. I don't remember nine <laughs> yes. eleven. It's something that I that I I read about in the history books. Unless, oh yeah, I was too young. Yeah. I was too young for nine eleven to stick in my brain. I, also, I'm not sure I saw it. I don't think I. Yeah, yeah I don't. I know. remember the marathon I bombing. I, I remember seeing the. Uh, what did I see on TV in class one time? Oh, they showed us the uh, Arab Spring. They showed us like a huge uh, celebration and like the big protests in uh, Tahrir Square. I think that's the name of it. The one in Cairo. I remember that. Hmm. Wasn't nine eleven like during the school day? Oh, probably. Like yeah, yes. probably like in the morning. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I really feel like I didn't see it then. Think- I mean, it was probably on repeat, but I don't think my parents like went out of the way to show me that. I don't no. think they want you to see it. Yeah. All right, come over here. Sit down, hey, son. Hey, do we gotta that? show you Those something. We gotta show you what these Arabs are doing did. to our country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like. This is why the Patriot Act is necessary. You see. Hey, you see. We're gonna. Good God! I came. <laughs> Dude, I bet some parents did oh, that totally. though. Like sat there. That they're like young grade school kids down. We're like, you need to learn why we're gonna go blow the shit oh out of these people. Oh my god! Yeah, I could imagine that so perfectly, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. Honestly, if I had a kid and something like that happened, unless I absolutely needed to tell them, I just kind of like uh, let them learn <laughs> at some point when they get older. Because like, I don't think that's something. A kid, I don't know. Kids are crazy. Because like, you kind of need to like mature them up a little bit, but at the same time, you're like. I don't know. You also don't want to at the same time. <laughs> when oh man, it's a it's wild that our country is still feeling the effects of nine eleven, like close to a decade after, or oh, two close decades. to twenty years after. I'm daft. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. Two decades now. Especially Miles. now. Because we're still, we're still fighting the effects of the Patriot Act, honestly. Mm-hmm. And now with COVID-19, we're pretty much, at least the death toll of COVID-19, we're basically having a 9-11 every day now. In fact, I think yeah. we're having two 9-11s a day. I, I don't know. How many people died in 9-11? 3,000, I think. So, yeah, one. And it's like... I don't know. It still informs... I mean, it's like informed almost everything that we've done in the past 20 years as a country. <laughs> Crazy. It's affected public outlook. It's affected, like, uh, pretty significantly our foreign po- our foreign policy and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel like it let the government just get away with a lot of shit that it wanted to do in its foreign policy. It never could. But it wasn't... Yeah, the people wouldn't have been necessarily okay with before, and now we're like, yeah, fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> Go get them. And if, you, if, you if you're not willing to share everything about your life now, it's like, oh, so what, what have you got to hide? If you don't... If, if you don't willing to share everything about your life uh, you must have something to hide because why why else would you hide it yeah dude the creepiest thing is the the whole innocent people don't have anything to fear if you're with if you like was if you aren't with us you're with the terrorists i believe george bush made that quote at one point during the oh war on terror God. absolutely wild the acts of evil of north korea iran and iraq that's that speech during the i believe in the u.n Yeah, Lots of stuff. it's um pretty like wild. We're still fighting the Taliban in Afghanistan, and like, uh, well, like, yeah, we definitely yeah, are, like, and like the the shit that like they the government could get away with during that time. Now we're just used to it, you know, like all the drone strikes and stuff, and the executive action, uh, executive military action, um. All that stuff that we did then, now we're just used to, and it's not even questioned anymore. No, it's norm. It's basically normal now. Mm-hmm. Like Ob- Obama's drone drone strike record was a meme, and uh, Trump's actually topped it. Trump's had more drone strikes than Obama did. Yeah, and like even even those numbers and- are kind of like at least like in at least in my opinion like. It, it's just it doesn't even really matter like the presidency is relevant it's just state policy like uh, there's it, it gets to the point where it's just a continuation of uh defense spending when it comes to some of that type of stuff too which is the worst part about it at least for me can you elaborate what do you mean by that like um a, a large portion of the state department is tied to things outside of what a president may choose to do it's more so like uh, focused around um, obligations that are already established, probably even like multiple presidencies prior, and then stuff mm-hmm. like uh, defense spending budgets can be used as like uh, like an example would be Vietnam, where like they talk a lot about how like um, a lot of the arms and stuff that we drop are from like contracts that we've already established, defense companies and things like that, like things that you can't like we we need to use that supplies for something. So, and then it gets to the point where we just start just dumping resources to those areas because, like, we almost have, like, a, 
like it's completely outside the executive's reach to even interfere with that, except for like kind of like stuff during like uh, the impeachment trial where they can maybe coerce them into doing other things by like withholding defense uh, resources, like with uh, Trump's. Uh, uh, he was withholding defense resources to Ukraine to try to get them to uh, investigate uh, the Bidens in Ukraine and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But, like, even then, that stuff is still going to Ukraine. Like, just like how there's always going to be stuff going to the Afghan government that we helped establish there. And then we're always going to have a military presence there and in Iraq. That's more so what I mean by it. like it just because it's a continuation of policy. Yeah, you think that's like lobbying as well? Oh, I'm it, plays into that. It ties into like the whole network. Or the more defense, so. yeah. The defense contractors are getting money because we're spending. Uh, <laughs> we're paying them for their supplies. It's like that we're sending over there. It's like a and self-feeding. They're like, oh, you can't basically. stop doing that. It, it just keeps looping into itself, and that kind of just continues to carry forward. I'm sure everyone gets their palms greased oh, along yeah. the chain. Yeah. This seems like a. I think we've talked about this before, but this seems like a goes into the trend of authoritarianism within the United States, starting with the Patriot Act after 9/11, and then the uh, more and more powers that were normally associated with Congress, like declaring war, going to the presidency. Basically, Bush and Obama were the ones going through war uh, in Iraq, Afghanistan, among other places, to now with Trump and inciting the insurrection. More and more exponential growth towards authoritarianism. Like the concern yeah. of rising authoritarianism, like kind of like the, I guess I shouldn't say authoritarian, but maybe uh, illiberal. Because I feel like illiberal and anti-democratic are um, more tied to their actions, more so. Mo- mostly liberalism, like the idea of an illiberal, like an illiberal democracy, kind of like in Russia or uh, Bel- Belarus. I think might be a good example too. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is is that the basically the definition of fascism? Um, illiberal democracy. Uh, yeah. Fascism, in a general sense, is more so like a. It's like almost like a anti-establishment, like ultra populist slash authoritarian model. Like the like almost like it's it's kind of hard to. It's not really illiberal democracy. I feel like more so in a general sense, it more ties to the complete uh, rejection of democratic practices in general. Like for for um for like some uh for some fascists, they believe that. The, the very idea of a democracy is almost like a degenerate, effeminate type of government that, uh, like, undermines, like, the kind of, like, mass movement potential of a people. Like, uh, for, for like, a Mussolini-Hitler-esque example for them, it's like, you need to use paramilitaries to... Well, I guess this kind of ties in a little bit with the whole congressional storming thing. Like, you need to, like, rally the people in, like, a popular sense in order to, like force like the populace's will as like a single nation onto the government and then like being led by like usually like a a singular figure or like a a great historical figure and stuff like that it's very tied to like ethno-nationalism with the idea that like 
you, you kind of like eliminate those institutions. It's usually like an anti-establishment institution, fascism and stuff like that. Like communism is another good anti-establishment um, ideology that can kind of tie into like the idea, the mentality of most fascism. It's like the idea that you need war to like create the type of new society where in which your people will then be the new superior uh, like group amongst all others. And then- Aren't there actually like quite a lot of parallel principles between uh, fascism and communism? They have like certain elements about them that are shared pretty like you could like from a general sense they share they kind of combine with each other really well. I'm trying to remember what exactly they're similar but they're also like fascism also involves aspects of capitalism yeah it's kind of like how like kind of like a bastard (laughs) like raj was explaining this to me about like from marx's point of view like how like there's like uh like there's from him he thinks like is something like the goods and the money that ties that that starts creating like this like endless loop in capitalism which is like there's like something about the exchange that marxism thought it was like something a little bit different it's like the same thing with cat with communism and fascism at least from like a general sense because of course now if you go into nuanced ideology then there's always contradictions of what i'm saying somewhere but like uh it's like this it's like something about the difference between the people that is tied to because if i remember correctly for communism it's like the entire idea of like the single class the workers without like any like ethnic boundaries need to like overthrow the bourgeoisie establishment from a general sense that's what it is but it's not like that's like a more marxist leninist mentality where like they need to do it now while marx is like kind of like create the template on how they could create utopia eventually if i understand correctly while in most fascism i'm using italian and german fascism specifically because i feel like those are like the two most people are thinking about when they say fascism it's more Mm ethno-nationalism like it's not that, oh, it's these workers as a class are taking over. It's the Italian, like, mega ethno group, be it the Germanic peoples, so anybody from, like, the UK all the way to, like, Sweden and Germany, all those people as a group need to come together to become this great, all encompassing, like, super state and then, like, dominate the world or whatever else comes next. But then for communism, it's the class itself needs to break itself out of its servitude i I'm, I'm thinking like off the top of my head but does that make sense yeah 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 that, yeah okay. that does i think we're especially the uh nationalistic and um anti-democratic parts of fascism i think we're seeing that more and more now yeah it's just like it's hard for me as like a it's hard for me to like label it as fascism. Like I think liberalism is illib- like maybe like anti-democratic is strong, but like it's just I don't know. Like fascism to me is a very strong word. Like it, it kind of implies this idea that they've like like fully rejected the idea of like any form of establishment for the most part except for of course like stuff like capitalism or something like that like elements of it like it's usually like seen as like uh like i can see it's a hard thing for me to answer because like yeah there's like parts of it that meet well with fashion but other parts that the don't that yeah it's sense. just for me it's, yeah. it's such an overused so... term in the media that i think i i almost in my mind, I almost like 
have a bias to not label something as that just because of how often it's used, even just outside of uh, the events of the Capitol storming. I feel like if they were to have only used mm. fascist at the time of the Capitol storming in American media, I am pretty, I'm probably more inclined to agree with what you were saying, but it's just, I, they, heard, they said it so often that it was just hard for me to like understand exactly what they mean when they say it right now, as opposed to when they used to say it before, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that makes sense. To be clear, I'm even I'm not saying that it's straight up fascism. Yeah. So so definitely become. I just think it's elements of it are there. Diluted term. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the that's the same with communism, honestly. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and not and Nazis. Oh yeah. Communism's been confused since the Soviet Union. To be honest. (laughs) The the moment Lenin uh, succeeded in his uh, in the like in the October Revolution, it's kind of like cause like some pretty major splits within like communist like theory i could imagine and then when stalin ultimately took the reins yeah and then oh yeah and then stuff like that and then the civil war just ruined it honestly for russia for the most part and then like combined with like just like the general conditions of russia on the ground and like marx's idea of what was supposed to be the conditions that would create a communist uh like state China. Communism equals socialism equals, equals Venezuela, bad. I think you mean. Yeah. <laughs> Who is that? And bad. And bad. <laughs> oh my god. Um, communism and socialism, same thing. Wait, did we even start an intro for this? Yes. No. <laughs> I'm just, we're just going for hey it. Hey guys, welcome to the generic Lucky Shoe. <laughs> this is Liquid Snake. Uh... <laughs> I don't know Marcus's name on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the MC of Lucky's man, and we got uh, the shoe. Yes, but we started the this one, much earlier. The only. The sh- yeah, we did. The shoe. We're just we're just kind of doing whatever. But yeah, welcome. Yeah. This is our unstructured podcast where we talk about um things. Yes. Um things. Couldn't we edit it later? Yeah, for sure. Or was it? Wait, so is this yeah, uh, is this the first time we've talked about the capital storming on the podcast then? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think Raj has been in a lot of the in the most recent ones, and he doesn't like politics. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, I know he doesn't. <laughs> to be fair, who doesn't? Who who actually out there loves politics? Yeah, I don't know about loves. I, I enjoy paying attention to it because I have like a morbid curiosity to it, but I don't think I love it. I mean, it's entertaining at times. Yeah. Still, yes. I don't know. Roger just finds it boring, I guess. <laughs> I guess for or like, like the, a uh, uh, TV show drama, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, it just unfortunately, this TV show drama. This TV show drama is happening. Uh, you know, here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like I need to dissociate myself a bit whenever I'm consuming news or whatever, just to not go crazy. Yeah, I can understand that. I guess for the uh, uninitiated, uh, does anybody want to explain what exactly happened at the Capitol storming? Matt, do you want to explain it? Matt, you got this. Well, for those that have been uh, living under a rock <laughs> like I have been for about a week now, uh, on January 6th, there was a Stop the Steal 
march on uh on cap near the capital it's put it lightly got out of hand and thousands of people uh got past the security gates while congress was counting the electoral votes to uh confirm biden's victory and stop the steal as then, in because uh the election got stolen from trump but i want to throw that in there suppose yeah supposedly so they got past security and the uh lawmakers had to stop their session and evacuate the building or some evacuated but others some others were i think going down to like secret underground tunnels or something like that um and capitol police were there people broke inside to the inside the capitol desecrating a lot of stuff breaking some stuff taking selfies some people went inside uh speaker pelosi's uh office among other people's offices stole some laptops took selfies in there posted it on uh social media um i wonder if she wiped her stuff event- before uh bugging out no oh, probably shit. not yeah they, somebody took a picture of her computer which had outlook still open her email oh oh shit shit more like fuck yeah good god yeah that the windows l guys windows l dude and and this the <laughs> fbi must be like uh, on like super mode right now are you trying to track down those <laughs> find my laptop find my laptop <laughs> they start pushing all of it <laughs> find my yeah. ipad what are they calling my god uh, steve jobs grave I wonder if they would just, like, freeze it. Like, would they just, like, at that point, just, like, I don't know, like, blacklist a server for, like, a day or something? And then just, like... Well, you would hope it would be hooked up to something that could do that. I don't know. And then, like, just do a sit rep or something. How much forethought they put into their uh, email systems and laptop systems. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you've stolen the laptop, I think... Well, they, they they probably use BitLocker or something like that, uh, so they need to know the pin code to get in and the password. Passwords themselves are actually really easy to brute force because they're, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know, but BitLocker pins are obviously not because they're encrypted. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Eventually, the people can yeah, find their ways Guard. around it, though. I gotta imagine. Yeah, National Guard was eventually called, obviously, and uh, the uh, the insurrection was was quelled. It took a while, though, for them to come. Though, very suspicious. A long time now that, according to the FBI, there's a possibility that members of Congress may have helped the uh, the protesters with uh, the, the day before there's witnesses that supposedly saw some members of Congress showing the rioters around the Capitol, like where secret underground tunnels are, uh, places to go, stuff like that. Wow. And the Capitol Police seemed to be slow as well. There, There's pictures of Capitol Police taking selfies with some of the 
protesters while they were inside the Capitol. Was there, uh, like, uh, current reps or former reps that were part of the Capitol storming as well? Like, Yeah, yeah. In fact, one of them, I think a state representative from Pennsylvania, I forget where, I believe was arrested. Yeah, then he straight up, someone, one of them, like, straight up streamed himself being there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I forget his name, but... I, I know who you're talking yeah, about. I remember seeing that on the news, the, like, the day after. Yeah. They believe the National Guard is still there, too. They're going to be there through the end of the month. Oh, yeah, there were so many that were deployed there. Do you guys remember the exact number that were there for, like, the inauguration? Because I can't remember off the top of my head. At least 25,000. It was initially, like, 10,000. Then it got it just kept bumping up, bumping up as the FBI found more and more threats. After January sixth, there were messages all over Twitter, Facebook, Parler about a second insurrection there and across all fifty state capitals. So the National Guard presence there just kept gradually going up, up and up to at least twenty five thousand. At least from what I remember. Oh my God. Did yeah. anything crazy happen that day? No, that no, I know. Down. thankfully. There there was a, I think the day of, there was like a fire or something nearby, but it, at, at first it was thought to be malicious, but it, it, it turned out it was basically just a bunch of homeless people that uh, started a fire and it got out of control. Mm. Makes sense. So nothing malicious. Yeah. Yeah, I think the 25,000... Deterred uh, the any returned peop- any people returning. Yeah, it's definitely a pretty sizable force. So. Yeah, and I th- think the people that participated, many of them were placed on a no fly no fly list. So then they could, app- so the FBI could apprehend them. Yeah, and I could good imagine- old no fly list. Yeah, and I, I could imagine that like uh, a good portion of the people that were actually there outside of like uh, the really actually determined people or like the ones that may have been like pre-planning with those possible congressional people that you're talking about. For the most part, I think a lot of people may have like inadvertently just got caught in the momentum. It's pretty easy to when you're in like a large group like that. So like I could imagine once like the bad press started coming out, a lot of those, that like portion probably maybe like a couple weeks afterwards or like or like maybe just like a week afterwards especially when people started getting arrested which i think is the most important part um they maybe were demotivated like to actually try to attempt like a second one especially like the like those people that are talking about like the big plots like across like um the whole country and stuff like that especially like you're saying once mm-hmm. they started really deploying it's 25,000 national guard that's a I'm gonna search up the population quick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's where we're from. If, if anybody's curious, uh, but what is it? Uh, population, population, sixty thousand. I think it's yeah. So it's around fifty percent of the population of. That's a lot of national guards in one town. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah, and I'll- they get past them. You're gonna need even more people. And even if you do somehow attain more than 25,000 people to 
push past or whatever, they could probably just call more National Guard from other states. I'm sure other states would be willing to help out. And also implies that there's a one-to-one parity of a National Guard to a a normal person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. With National Guardsmen that are armed with rifles. And also, like, actually, like, straight up, just holding... They, like, they made, like, those giant wire fences and walls up around the Capitol for the inauguration. Like, they, like, a lot of pre-planning compared to the Capitol Police that clearly were either told or were not ready for just how uh, quickly it escalated. Wasn't one of the protesters um, shot? Or, I guess, rioters uh yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw the video. They were trying to get into where the ca- I think where the lawmakers were, something like that. And a Secret Service member shot them before or her before she could. Yeah, when you look at the footage of it, get Marcus, through the barrier. Because I'm assuming you haven't seen it. Then it's no. um, they were like they convinced like the two. There was like this uh, big kind of like uh door that was all barricaded, and there was these two cops standing in front of it, where all the protesters at this point have already like breached pretty far into the building and then they were like telling them like get out of the way get out of the way and then when they finally get out they all just started bashing at the window trying to get the door open like they all just started swinging at it i think there's like two people that were predominantly swinging at it but it was like all barricaded and then all of a sudden like kind of like a little bit behind the door you could see somebody with a gun i you, you couldn't hear anything that he was saying from the video but it was pretty clear that he was waiting for a while and they were like, he's got a gun, he's got a gun. And they kept swinging at the door, and then he finally just shot. And then I don't really know what happened afterwards. I think that's when the video ends. Yeah, I think she I think she died from the, from her injuries. Yeah, yeah, she died. I assume it was a rifle. It was a pistol. No, it was a, it was pistol. a pistol. Yeah. No. Yeah, person was in a suit, so that's why I, I presume it's a Secret Service agent. Mm. Makes sense. That sucks. Oh yeah, like yeah. Listen, number right, uh, five in total as of I, as far as I remember. Five in total, what? Uh, fatalities at the storming. Yeah. <sighs> I think one was a police officer it's... too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it is a fucking miracle that not many, not so many more people died that day. Yeah, that's the. Police really holding back on that one. I mean, like, I'm surprised that they let them into the Capitol mm-hmm. without opening fire. Yeah. Very sus. Yeah, that's why, uh, like, uh, when you look um, at the footage, Marcus, it's just weird. Because, like, uh, they didn't really do anything. I mean, like, there was, like, there's if you look at some of the footage, especially when on, like, the ground level, like, yeah, there was a lot of cops that were, like, information pushing back against the Trump protesters who were pushing them. Like, in, like, kind of, like, these big, almost, like, human, like, just meat walls. Almost like a phalanx. Just pushing Mm -hmm. against each other. But, yeah, just other places, there just wasn't enough people, I guess. Like, there's some, there's areas where you just see one cop and, like, there's, like, 40 or, like... What is he gonna do? (laughs) Yeah, like, 40 or 30 people. He's got a little baton. He's got 40 or 30 people and they're already inside the building. He's just going up the staircases over and over again while these people are chasing him. Yeah, like, and what's he gonna do? Shoot, get his pistol out and start like shooting? They, they oh, he died clearly just got overwhelmed. It seems like, and then I guess they just weren't willing to use the like like the force multipliers available to them because maybe like the people around them just uh, 
maybe like the people around them didn't, and then all of a sudden it just kind of started spilling over, and they just weren't ready. Yeah, that's weird. Like, uh, I think one picture I remember from the protest really well was that uh, one of the protesters that got into like the inner sanctum, like kind of like it's like the place where they do stuff like the state union kind of looks like one of those rooms i can't think of the exact name for that room that he was in specifically but he had like a huge handful of zip ties like those like ones they use for like uh subduing uh hostages like kind of like the stuff that police would have it's like it specifically looks like a cuff but it's like a zip tie yeah like he had like a whole handful of them in one of his hands and he was just like all up in black clothing like he's got black face mask helmet and then like in military yeah, gear yeah, yeah. too, I think with knife, knives and yeah, cell all sorts phone. of stuff. And he had just a whole bundle of zip ties and stuff like that. And it was just it, it, like, yeah, like what Mark, like what Matt was saying. It's kind of crazy that uh, nothing else actually happened. Yeah, yeah, that's still still depressing as hell, man. Mm-hmm. Ah, why are people doing this? I'm crazy. Well, it's getting so riled up. If there is any silver lining, it doesn't seem like anything did actually happen, like, afterwards. Like, all the crazy planning and all the stuff that people were talking about that they may do at, like, states like Michigan or during the inauguration. At least yeah, now, I was I honestly really surprised that there weren't... Oh, my God, there wasn't my mom shit was, erupting uh, all over the country after yeah, that. My I mom was, was really expecting like more. Yeah, my mom was, like, telling me, like, oh, what's happening in the news? Tell me, because, like, uh, sometimes she wants me to translate or like explain to her some of the stuff in simpler terms that's being happening in the news and then like i was sitting here like oh my god yeah it's just it's it's weird to explain this to other mm-hmm. to like uh my like my mom sometimes was like oh no no it's like yeah they they stormed the capital <laughs> and then like especially when like um like marcus did you ever see the uh video or the audio of trump's speech at the rally prior to the capital storming um, Matt sent me that, uh, Twitter feed where this guy, like, summarized the speech. Oh, okay. But I didn't see the original, no. Like, you probably, you probably know the general gist of it, though, right? Like, we're gonna march, I'm gonna march with you, we're gonna make sure, like, Pence does the right thing, that type of stuff. Yeah, didn't Pence need to get evacuated, like, that ass? Oh, yeah, he's the vice yes, president. Yes, th- right? there are people... Yeah, there are people saying execute Mike Pence or yeah. something like that, or hang Mike Pence. Yeah, I think it was hang. And then they created a fucking, and they created a fucking nuke outside the, noose. not nuke, yeah. noose outside the Capitol. There's a picture of that. Jesus. Yes. Again, fucking miracle that we didn't lose like all of Congress or half of Congress like, that day. If they. If they manage to spill over into the building, maybe like an hour faster or something like that, then who? And then maybe if they were like uh, more concentrated, just like a little bit more on like the specific goal that they had and knew which way to get to it, like quickly, they could have probably easily have taken at least somebody important. And then at that point, yeah, like, there's no yeah, telling what could happen yeah. with mob mentality. It doesn't mean something guaranteed would happen, but it could easily escalate into something. Yeah. Well, people were clearly very yeah. uh, galvanized yeah. that day. Exactly. You, you don't know. It's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's wild that they got Nancy Pelosi's email. 
because literally open so like they don't even before we were talking about like encryption and passwords and stuff they don't need any of that because it was literally your email was fucking open yes they literally like they don't need passwords or anything like that's that's a lot there's a lot in an email yep Uh, yep that's wild that's that's how that's how fast that they were uh they, they had to flee it happened that fast they had they literally had no time to just even close the laptop. Yeah, they said, like, uh, there's, like, some crazy personal stories about, like, journalists and people, like, getting harassed while they were, because, like, they were inside the Capitol just doing normal day work stuff. And then, like, people, like, the, once the protesters came in and started, like, hassling them, they're asking, like, oh, what, like, what journal are you a part of? Like, what kind of, like, media do you work for? And then it, the one, the one they, like, saw that, like, I think it was... It was like one of their one of the people there. Like her badge was, I think, like CBS or something like that. They just like just destroyed her camera or something like that and started running stuff like that. Just like, yeah, I'm surprised she didn't get messed yeah. up. Yeah, killed. People really don't like the news. I, people on both sides I don't saw, like the news. <laughs> yeah, I saw something similar with the CNN crew. They were told they were forced to leave by the crowd. Yeah, especially the ones outside. Like when you see some of the stuff that happened outside, a lot of um, areas like like you know how like uh, usually for like large public stuff, the media usually have like these big setups where all the cameras are at with all the different people, and they're all like saying their story or recording what's happening. Like a lot of those places got completely vandalized by like uh, the crowd and stuff like that. Yeah, I wouldn't dare doing that if I was a news station. It's a hell of a job sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not yeah. a good time to be a reporter, man. It's not. Yeah. A lot of the reporters I noticed that were being sent out after the writers got started were young, like our age. Like CNN or whatever was sending out the young interns instead of the more experienced uh, reporters. <laughs> oh, yeah, fa- they can run faster, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my <Yeah>. God. They're <laughs> like, they, you just get your, you're just fresh out of college. Or like maybe you're still in college, and then you get your first internship at CNN. They're like, "All right, what do I have to do? You're gonna be at the Capitol, knee deep in the Trump protest." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I met Johnny. Uh, I got your first assignment after your your training. Yeah, I got go, go to the Capitol. Something interesting going on over there. <laughs> a star quarterback and a uh, journalist major apply for uh for the job. The star quarterback gets it. Why did I get the job? <laughs> we, re- we read that you're a real fast runner. <laughs> or one, one's like the actual journalism intern, and next to you is like a guy straight out of like that, uh, that like former military contractor company, like Blackwater or something like that, just to keep an eye on you. He's like, why is this guy with me? Oh, nothing in particular. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It's just oh, formality. Yeah. Every. Yeah, everybody there was were kids like our like our age. Yeah, or yeah, probably interns or fresh out of school. Ah oh, man, next election's gonna be crazy, bro. Honestly, yeah, next four years is uh like it's really like I feel like um momentum's like a really important thing because if they have like stuff to kind of like use as a foundation for their gripe still then the next election or even the midterms can be nuts because right now the there is no Senate majority, right? But then technically the Democrats have it because of uh, Kamala, if I understand correctly. Because uh, she'd, be, she'd behave as a tiebreaker in a 50-50 split. 
Yeah, but they still need to uh, agree on power splitting since it's besides putting that aside, we're technically 50, exactly fifty fifty split. Yeah, absolutely. That's why like it's there's like it's pretty easy for potential gridlock to form, and then with like like how big some of uh, Bind's promises are right now, uh, there's going to need to be some form of compromise. But if they don't really have a leg to stand on, or if there's enough popular support to reject compromise. Like, maybe something dumb happens. Like, I don't know. Just, like, anything, honestly. Like, maybe the COVID stuff, it gets dumb, the vaccine doesn't work, or, like, another yeah. a- another protest breaks out, or, like, maybe, like, QAnon goes crazy or something like that after Trump finally says something, after he's done uh, being a ghost after the Capitol storming. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. and then, like, yeah. like, just anything. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if it just, if, if, like, Biden has, like, a bad gaffe or something like that, then that's all they sometimes need to just shift anything because it's such a tight, uh, it's such a tight power uh, scale right now. So like, and then let alone the next four years, if something really dumb happens, uh, then I don't know. Tr- either Trump can run, or plenty of people that have kind of learned from his kind of like uh, his kind of like his style that got so popular, his marketing tropes that got him to where he is. They could, could be easily inspired by how he uh, got to the presidency or even uh, just do it at a lower level. Mm. There's talks right now of rumors that Trump may uh, break away from the Republican party and form his own party. Yeah. You call, he would call it the Patriot party. Honestly, Mm. I don't even think he needs to split from the Republican party. Like, um, you might need to now that he called for, like the over, like the uh, honestly, ousting dude, of the traitor Republicans, like, you know. Like honestly, I I think like give it like literally like two months or even less than that, because like mm-hmm. I, I think from like McConnell's speech he already made. I didn't listen to it, but I saw the dislike, so I kind of already know what happened. But like, it's pretty clear that they're trying to normalize things. Like we, you know, we got our little pe- we got our little truce because of this Capitol storming, and we finally managed to denounce this kind of like political outsider at least a little bit even though we know his influence has already affected the party but like they're, they're still going to focus on their in-groups and like and it's still like for the most part heavily a Tea Party Trump party in the Republican kind of like centers of discourse for like how the public perceives it and stuff like that mm-hmm so like, I don't think he needs to leave the party. I just think if he, as long as he just doesn't do anything crazy, or maybe honestly, maybe that might even work. Honestly, just like to get his supporters up again. But like, yeah, if he just like chills for a bit, lets the kind of like like run of the mill political uh, gripe stuff that we don't remember from the past four years because uh, we had Trump to uh, distract us from how. U.S. politics usually feels like if he, if he like just lets that kind of settle in and then maybe uh, gridlock kicks in McConnell does his little magic Biden honestly just... for most of Trump's four years did it feel all that much different though well it's, usual politics it's just the media made it like probably from like a public sense have like all like kind of like this different like this perception of a different energy to it I'm not saying it was actually different yeah I'm just talking about it from a media perception like from uh, how it how it's like consumed the American politics is what I'm trying to say. Not that it actually was different. Yeah. 
I think people on right. yeah, people are just gonna keep getting more desperate as time goes on, yeah. and getting pushed farther and farther. Yeah, it's, it's a very I, definite possibility. Reports right now are that uh, Trump feels betrayed by the Republican Party, and if that's true, splitting, trying to split up the the GOP, maybe his way of uh, ex- enacting revenge against against them. Yeah. Because that would split, even if he splits it up just by a, f- a few percentage points than the Republican votes, that would be enough to almost make it that much more likely for Democrats to win almost everywhere. Yeah, um, it's a common thing with uh, U.S. third parties that get popular, that all they end up doing is splitting the vote. And then uh, causing out like actually like minority popularities to actually win. Like Woodrow Wilson was a good example because uh, that was when Teddy Roosevelt split the Republican vote by forming the Bull Moose Party. And because Teddy was Teddy, a lot of people ended up still voting for him. So like it ended up just splitting the Republican vote between Bull Moose and Republicans. So Woodrow Wilson, the Democrat, won the election. Mm-hmm. Now we need um. Now we need Bernie Sanders to split off and Trump to split off, and then we can have uh, two more parties that can split the votes, and then it might actually be a toss-up. Oh, that'd be one hell of a mm-hmm. thing to live through. For like, could you imagine <laughs> like the first actual like multi-party race? It's like it's honestly, it'd be kind of crazy yeah. if Trump was like the catalyst for shattering the two establishment parties. But I don't think uh, it's really dependent on the next four years. But yeah, it's uh, that'd be crazy. Yeah. If that somehow happened, like something like that, you know, where you actually managed to e- even come close to breaking the two-party rule, that'd be pretty wild. Be nuts. Yeah. And I think the... all of a sudden Trump would go down as a democratic hero. Uh, <laughs> or like, uh, or at least like um, a historical... Not on purpose, like, maybe, but... <laughs> or a historical turning point, at least, for like how our democracy developed, if there's something like that actually did happen, because that'd be pretty significant. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Re- I think the Republican split has already begun. I don't... I think it's already begun. I don't know if... I don't know how long it'll take for it to be complete. But I'm convinced that regardless what happens to the Democratic Party, the Republican Party is probably going to go similar to how the Whig, the Whig party went. There was the uh, pro, pro-slavery and anti-slavery parts of it that just could not reconcile with, with, reconcile with each other, and they split up anti-slavery into the, ironically now, the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party is destined to follow a similar path between the pro-Trump and the anti-Trump. Anti-Trump, ironically, because the Republicans are pro-slavery. <laughs> no, I- ironic because that's exactly what—that's exactly how the Republican Party was born through the turmoil, through the the end of the Whig Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I was just <laughs> well, it's like they call and them, the Republican yeah. Party. I was clipping you out of the context, same face. It's just like uh, they call them. They constantly like to advertise themselves as the party of Lincoln, which is true. But then it kind of like creates like a false representation of what their party sometimes is about, I guess. <laughs> In some senses. Yeah. Yep. Especially to a Democrat, probably. I think of, yeah. Yeah. 
I think if nothing changes with the Democratic Party, then ultimately they're also probably going to collapse between currently the centrist moderate party that still views capitalism as ultimately a good thing and the socialist democratic party run by top leaders would be like AOC and Bernie Sanders uh, that view the current capitalistic uh, foundations of our society as a bad thing. There's definitely a pretty serious generational gap between the two parties, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or at least among support. If you look at younger people, they, I think, tend to they, they they tend to favor more the socialist democrats. The baby boomers and older tend to tend to uh, align more with the traditional centrist democrats. I mean, socialism isn't necessarily uh, mutually exclusive from capitalism either. I think that's a important point. That's true. You're not completely mutually exclusive. Uh, I mean, socialism generally functions in capitalist countries still. Yeah, I think when they it of like when they when uh, Matt's bringing it up, he's not saying that like uh, like there needs to be an elimination of capitalism. Like just how laissez fair. Yeah, just how to treat capitalism, basically, like how to treat the market. I yeah. think it's the more important part. Yeah, I should have been bit. Yeah, I should have been a little bit. Or careful. Yeah, because by being social democratic, um, they're already not espousing like accelerationist revolutionary rhetoric. Like they're not saying to establish a vanguard party or something like Marxist Leninism. Like social democrat already implies that they're willing to work within the democratic structure. To, yeah, and I think yeah. if you listen to Bernie, he's not even like in favor of ever going to communism. Yeah, yeah, he's more like, so. That's not yeah. the. He's not viewing it as a stepping stone. Yeah, they're very clearly social democrats where. They still are willing yeah. to use democratic institutions to achieve the uh, the needed reform they believe needs to come. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the conceptualization of the government being um, the referee, not a player. I don't know why I like that analogy so much, because I'm not a sports fan. That's kind of how I stand on. It's an easily consumable analogy. Stand on it. Yeah. I'm not sure I have it right. I think I think I have it right though. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. so little about sports. I'm not exactly sure what the referee does, but he calls out what is allowed or something. I don't know. Um. Uh, well, he enforces the rules. <laughs> is what a referee yeah. does, and he, he actually, I guess, he also calls it out and interprets when you are actually breaking the rules too. Like that's a pretty yeah, it, important job. So, a referee that also like made the game. But doesn't play the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting more... It's starting to expand, no. Yeah, wait, made part of a game. Yeah. Made part of the game, but other parts of the game, you know, just are formed by nature. Oh, no. I, I guess the um, the analogy really breaks down once you try and put it into a real well, execution. Actually, to bring up another party split that happened in the U.S., because I remember Matt was actually bringing up some really good ones with the Whig Party, another really big one was with the Democratic Party because of the Civil Rights Act. Because, mm-hmm. like, there was a serious split between the Northern Democrats and the Southern Democrats for uh, pretty obvious reasons when it comes to segregation, I think. And then, uh, so that's why once, this, once the Northern Democrats, the ones responsible for passing the Civil Rights Act, uh, passed it, it caused a massive uh, 
split, especially amongst pop, uh, public support in the South for the Democrat Party, because for a lot of the people in the South, they kind of perceive that that party has now betrayed what they think is something that should still be maintained. So that, that's why when uh, Nixon did his Southern strategy, I think that's what it's called, during his uh, presidential campaign, he managed to get like a lot of extremely consistent Democratic uh, supporters to vote Republican, and it's kind of caused the um, the support base shift within the modern parties, because tr- traditionally speaking, the Republican Party was actually a pretty progressive, uh, more uh, uh, left-leaning party, considering that Teddy Roosevelt was uh, president under it and stuff like that. And but and then now with the shift because of Nixon and stuff like that, it's kind of uh, it's kind of created the two. Uh, parties we have today at least in like a general sense now it's of course very different because now we have the influence of like the tea party and palin and stuff like that and then of course trump being the biggest one right now for most recent so what you're saying is nixon is the cause of all of our political pain yes (laughs) blame everything on nixon Nixon, (laughs) nixon's last Fuck you from beyond the grave. I'm not a crook. I'm going to. Ju- I'm just double checking real quick that Nixon was a Republican. <laughs> okay, he was. A Republican. Yeah, he was a Republican. Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> I learned that from Futurama. <laughs> it's surprising what you can learn from uh, media and video games. Dude, uh, dude, Futurama is a fantastic show honestly i really should watch that show more i've only seen like a couple clips and then like a, a bunch of like youtube videos just talking uh, talking about just how good that show is <laughs> it has my full endorsement like i've probably watched it over a dozen times well dang in fairness a lot of those i was like doing homework or whatever mm-hmm. um and it was just going on but i've yeah. watched it without like with my full attention at least twice and then a bunch, well, like, not currently, not my current job, but, like, in previous jobs, I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while doing homework and stuff during school, I watched it. Yeah, like, uh, I watched a lot of How I Met mm-hmm. Your Mother, like, I used to. Now I, now I don't even touch the show, and I couldn't even tell you, like, most of the plot. But I would almost entirely just watch that while I was studying or gaming, like, in the background. Because yeah. it got to the point where you watch it so many times that like you kind of just know where you're at and you kind of just let it run and then maybe wait for the episodes you actually like it's like oh it's the stella section or something like that and you start watching it i'm dead ass to the point in like the point in futurama where i can visualize the episode without looking at the screen yeah just by the audio (laughs) like i hear the audio and like i know the (laughs) exact scene and like every detail on that scene uh marcus uh (laughs) my uh brother he was uh built. He got like this really cool to- topographical uh, map puzzle of Westeros and Essos for Game of Thrones. So while he was like updating me on it, he would always uh, he he was watching Game of Thrones in the background. I remember one time I saw like a a tiny little frame of his tablet, like the little corner of it, and I knew he was watching season. He finished season one, so he was getting to season two, and it was like a golden goblet with like a hand and I was like are you at Blackwater like the Battle of Blackwater episode he said yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> because little Cersei drinking her wine with uh, Sansa telling her that like oh yeah uh, Illin Payne's here to kill all of us if Stannis breaks in <laughs> perfect oh. and it does, that's still like a good season too 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember uh, a lot of the early season stuff of Game of Thrones. Like, I think probably from audio alone, I could probably kind of like what you're saying. Like, you see it so many times, and like, I guess like it kind of like kind of like remember it well too, because maybe you have like positive <laughs> memories of the show or something like that. Yeah. So then, like, yeah. you're like, oh, hey, it's this part. Oh, you're like that. So then, like, I like I don't know how many times I could just like hear like probably if I like hear a Tyrion line. Or something like that. I could probably tell you, like, either what season or what's happening. Not the episode, probably, but I could tell you what's happening. Yeah. Like, what what else is happening in the show at that time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, reading the books also helps, for sure. Books are good. Yeah. Uh, the first two books were very solid. I, I, especially after watching a TV show. I don't know if, like, by themselves they're good. Because I only watched them after I got really into the TV shows. But I really liked reading the first two books. They're better than the show. Yeah, I really enjoyed the first two books. Yeah, the first two books, I think, were better than the first two seasons. And they didn't change really much at all about the books in the first two seasons, but what small things they did change. I was like, why? Why did you change that? <laughs> There's just some stuff that's more engaging. like uh, Kind of like how he uh, describes combat is actually really nice. Like uh, like uh, George R. R. Martin. Like, mm-hmm. like when they get attacked by the mountain men. It's like all from Tyrion's perspective, and he's like panicking. And I remember there's a part where he's talking about this great beast of a man in a giant fur cloak charging them with all of the other tribesmen. But and then once the fighting's over, he looks back at the that like that like giant lumbering monster of a man that was charging him, and it's like he's just as like frail as the other tribesmen, and his sword is like completely warped and destroyed, and it's just like. Because, like, it's from a first-person perspective, it allows him to, like, kind of create, like, a much more vivid, more, like, personal image of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, when Tyrion has to fight at the Vanguard and stuff like that. Yeah, that is wild. Oh, he's Where he's, like, duel. thinking that he's, like, being a total badass, like, slaying everyone. Oh, and... dude, like, remember his like... duel he won of the night? He dove his own helmet into the horse? Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that until right now. That duel was amazing to read about. Like, and you just don't get that in the in the show. Yeah. Oh, the battle at the Blackwater was really underwhelming for me in the show. Yeah, honestly, but <laughs> but yes, yeah, especially the beach scene. Like, what? It felt so weird. Yeah, like I the l- beach was so small. I like how we went from talking about the capital storming to Game of Thrones, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've been resisting. Uh, talking about Rome this entire time. Oh, have you been staying in the podcast? Like the, the no, I actually haven't thing. listened to it for the past like week because it's uh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, it's all not good. been listening to it, but but you should like finish yeah. it though. But like, I don't know. This reminds me of the Gracchi brothers. I feel like if I was to put a place in Rome history that I feel like we're at in our republic, it'd be the Gracchi brothers right now. It's a good reflection of it, I think. You want to do you know enough about the Gracchi brothers to uh, summarize it? Oh, the the Gracchi brothers. Um, yeah. I for the most part I can try to like the I like. Uh, do you want to try it out? <laughs> do I want to? Yeah. So the Gracchi brothers were like kind of the first populist political figures in Rome. And they, I think they actually did storm the Senate. They were the first ones to storm the Senate building, weren't they? Um, I don't know about storming the Senate building. Or, like, first ones, too. But definitely utilized a lot of, like, mob mentality type of things. And like, yeah, and, like, street mobs and fights. 
like breaking tab, like breaking like uh, the rules too, like the normality stuff, especially with like the Tribune's veto. Anyway, you can go for mm-hmm. it. I don't think I remember enough either now that I've started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like the populist political movement that uses mob like, uh, violence yeah. as a tool as a political tool so like the the gratai brothers like uh, were kind of like uh two really important political figures in the late roman republic they uh they kind of come they kind of like got uh importance after the punic wars where like so many citizens were fighting abroad that the new landed elite managed to basically accumulate so much wealth by either buying out their holdings or buying like so many of the captured slaves from like all the campaigns to basically make like super plantations. I can't remember the name of the super plantations, but yeah. Is like... this where? Ah, oh, shit. Who was the guy in the first triumvirate that would like literally stand outside people's houses with a fire brigade? Oh, and wait Crassus, until they paid him. Right. Is this when Crassus was going on too? Uh, yes. It yeah. is, right? Uh, Pompey uh, and Crassus are both like <laughs> extremely late stage, uh, like late Roman Republic people, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head if either of them would have been alive, but I don't think they would be during Tiberius' times. I don't think so. Not Tiberius, uh, Gracchus? Yeah, the Gracchus, Tiberius Gracchus and the other brother. I can't think. Tiberius, oh, yeah. gotcha. And then, uh, well, what is it? Uh, yeah, they're probably like 100 years after or something. Yeah, because like it, uh, it goes Marius, Sulla, and then yeah, Pompey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I know Pompey was... Uh, it's like 100 years before... Crassus. Yeah, Pompey and Crassus. Fucking Crassus, oh, oh. man. Pompey would Pompey would still be with Crassus because he was part of the first triumvirate. So yeah, and, uh, yeah. Oh, was he around at the Tiberius? He fought in the he. I don't think Tiberius, but he, they uh, Crassus and Pompey both fought in the Spartacus revolt. Okay. So that'd be Sulla's time. So probably not where when Tiberius was alive, or either that or yeah, they'd be think, like stupid young. I think I'm. Yeah, I think. Crassus is like a hundred years after the Gracchi. Yeah, brothers, it, it has, there's probably a much bigger gap of time than we realize there is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Crassus is um, what a memer. Oh, I love literally him. got a fire brigade. Could put out the fire whenever. Literally sits outside someone's house. Is like, yeah, I'm not gonna put out this fire until you pay me and promise to give me all of the land that I'm about to save. <laughs> yeah, he uh. It, wasn't he, was he he the wealthiest man in Rome at the time too? Yeah, yeah. He was the wealthiest man, like probably ever to exist. Well, yeah, at least especially at the time, probably. Mm-hmm. But like uh, outside of like maybe like a Chinese emperor or something like that or Mansa Musa. I think he's richer, like had more wealth equivalent to at the time than anyone does today. Uh, th- probably probably something crazy, but like I know that he owned uh, like. <laughs> he owned pretty much all of the land. All of the land was him. <laughs> because he like he literally wouldn't save people's houses from burning down unless they gave him the land. This is and thing, then paid though, him uh, rent. This, this is the thing, Marcus. I feel like uh the scale gets kind of crazy of the emperors to the point where at least for a Roman citizen the emperors probably still heavily surpassed him eventually because Augustus probably. personally governed Egypt, if I remember correctly. <laughs> That is true. Yeah. So, so I guess there's a point where like his wealth, maybe as like a Roman citizen, like before the emperors, and as like, a private citizen, he probably was like probably was the wealthiest, especially at the time, probably. But and then once the uh, once Augustus comes to being, 
or like people like Mansa Munsa or the Chinese emperors. Like, I can't even imagine how much wealth they had in comparison to like other places. It like like Augustus personally had domain over Egypt, the grain, the the breadbasket of the entire empire. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the Gracchi brothers. The, yeah, yeah. The rich got like um basically managed to like consolidate like a crazy amount of the Italian uh like farmland because um an important thing prior to that was a lot of the soldiers and even like a lot of the private citizens I think you even have to be a landed citizen in order to even be in the army because you have to pay for your own equipment still if I remember correctly so that's why like this caused like a pretty significant like societal breakdown of like what traditionally Rome was with like these huge new plantations breaking out and then Tiberius did the first one and then his brother later like really really played into that like extreme populist sentiment against the new like extremely uh, wealthy elite that were kicking off a lot of landed people from their own land so then like he promised like a lot of land reform he promised like all these really big things and then yeah he used stuff like the tribune's veto to basically shut down roman government like he would just veto everything that was going Which through was the tribune technically legal but not it was common. never done yeah yeah they had the power to do so it like technically, the, but yeah, it nobody was ex- did that. It was extremely taboo to do something so like So, like, the filibuster. Yeah, yeah, it was like an ultra filibuster, because, like, while a filibuster kind of, like, buys time, like, it, it just, like, like, strong thermometer, what, like, his uh, filibuster on the Civil Rights Act, like, a part of the delegation was, like, like, a really long time. I can't remember how many hours, but yeah, while a filibuster can stall, a Tribune's veto vetoes it. Like, it is God. <laughs> That policy that was supposed to be done, it's no longer being discussed anymore. <laughs> so, like... There, was there any way to override the veto like there is with our constitution? From what I understand, from how much of a... Uh, from what I remember, from, uh, like, learning about uh, Tiberius, there wasn't anything within the, like, Republic at the time that could cancel out a Tribune's veto. If I remember correctly. No. Not that I remember either. And... Yeah. And now we know why the founders put an override explicitly in our constitution. Absolutely, there's another uh, another example of why they did that was uh, in the in the Kingdom of Poland. Just a little tangent. Uh, there was the nobility were given this privilege called librum veto, which was a, the same thing as the tribune's veto. It was an absolute veto. I can't imagine what kind of compromise the king had to do to give the nobility that type of power, but. It, it was incredible because then all a uh, Russian emperor had to do to troll the Polish king was to pay like a like a sympathetic noble or a very greedy noble a pretty good amount of money or just not threaten to raid his country like his territory to make him live from veto just everything that's going through his policies and then it caused incredible gridlock within the Polish monarchy. But anyway, yeah, the same oh thing God. the same thing was happening in Rome, and then it got to the point where. Yeah, like, it started to get, like, a lot more, like, paramilitary and, like, mob-like action between the senator, between, I think, uh, what were the terms, the ultimates and the populares were the two factions that would grow out of it. The populares being um, the ones that supported Tiberius Gracchus and land reform and represented, like, a lot of the people that were, a lot of the veterans and people that were completely screwed over by uh, Rome's campaigns and lost their land. And then the ultimates that represent, like, the landed elite and the, like, uh, aristocratic senators. And yeah, it uh, it's kind of seen as like a watershed moment for Roman politics because it got like much more violent. With uh, I think two tribunes being killed, if I remember correctly, because there was one tribune that was accidentally killed by Gra- uh, Tiberius Gracchus's supporters, and then mm-hmm. um, later during like a rally, 
um, Tiberius was making like a hand motion to his supporters that made it look like he was pointing to a crown, like an like an invisible crown on his head. So the senators, or at least this was their justification, um, like were saying, "Oh my God, he wants to become king." And then, like of course, like the Romans ousted their monarchy to form the republic, so it's like seen as extremely taboo to even talk about wanting to be a monarch in any shape or form. So uh, mm-hmm. they all rallied up together and went out and just beat Tiberius Gracchus to death, like in the like just straight up in public. And then yeah, his brother carried the torch. I don't exactly remember what his brother did, but he was also killed. And then that kind of led to like the two like huge factions that um, would kind of like constantly fight and lead to like more and more like intense paramilitary competition like kind of like the death of the republic honestly because then it led to like generals becoming the main power keeps well this ties to marius but we can't stay here forever talking marius about roman Sala. politics yeah, yeah we could <laughs> there's a podcast out there it will take you about a year to listen to all of it you can go you'll learn all of this but anyway the still same two factions are the same factions that pompey and caesar were part of and ended up fighting their civil war like those exact same two names popularizing the other one yeah but yeah and i don't know i feel like that's i don't know there's a lot of similarities with the mostly what I, came to my mind was the populist mob violence just like the disconnect between the i think the, the i think like kind of like the disconnect between like upper class power with uh kind of like how the like the general public feels about a lot of it combined with yeah mob violence like just like the idea of like true yeah the the wealth disjoint normalized violence too like i remember like what like kind of like the stuff trump was saying during like the unite the white rally i always bring that up because it's one thing like that resonates really well with my memory i always remember it whenever i think about this type of stuff because i always remember what he was saying i was watching the news when he said it like it was like oh it was probably like but like uh like both sides like we we denounced the violence from both sides both sides were doing the violence and what he was talking about because people wanted to denounce uh the unite the white rally which was like a like a white supremacist march in the area, I think mm-hmm. it's Virginia, where one of the supporters drove a car straight into a crowd of counter-protesters. And so that's why people were putting a lot of pressure on Trump to denounce uh, the white supremacists, or like that kind of like movement. But then he like only ended up making like kind of like a general denouncement of both sides. And then like really hit people the wrong way when he said that. Like that type of yeah, and I think he also said something like there are great people on both sides. Yeah, and then like his stuff later of, in the speech. And then like he yeah. started, like, maybe that was a different speech. I don't remember. I I think it's the same thing, but then I completely forgot about Antifa too. Actually, like he like named them as a terrorist organization. Yep. Just like yeah, normalization of like uh, really like more fiery rhetoric than even violence. Like the Capitol storming, I think, is just the aftermath of that rhetoric. Honestly. In yeah. some senses, at least. It also seems inc- very unbalanced, too. He would seem to go bend over backwards whenever uh, there was rioters that were in his favor, but would call any rioters that were not in his favor against him, he'd call them terror- terrorists or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, it's just, um, once it... Uh... Once it becomes normal to say that rhetoric, like once you pass that point, which I think is why the Tiberius Gracchi example is such a good one, because it kind of like it broke those normalized taboos. Like, yeah, like there was a crisis that happened, a societal crisis that happened. And then in that like kind of like point of weakness, I feel like we were headed that way as a country. And I think Trump accelerated it. 
yeah, I'd put yeah. it that way. Like I don't I think it's important to because note that for like a long time now, like over a decade, we've already had like that dynamic in our discourse, like the public discourse, but the politicians generally didn't ever like get involved in endorsing or denouncing mob violence. I mean, they would denounce mob violence, but they would denounce it evenly, or if it was their side, they might just not say anything about it. They would never get um, this popular. Yeah. Like, uh... But, like, it's always, it's been in our rhetoric for a while now that, like, well, it's okay when we do it, and I think it was just inevitable that that was eventually going to get into politics, but Trump, I would say Trump accelerated that progression and <laughs> has has made it happen a lot quicker. Yeah, like, um, I think it's important to always point out that Trump isn't the origin of everything that's happening here. Like, all of this no, dates back yeah. pretty significantly to, mm-hmm. like, plenty of things you could argue for where the origin point comes from, either from societal, socioeconomic, to historical. Uh, obviously, I have a bias towards historical, but, like... Um, I guess that's what I was trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, everything plays a role, absolutely. Like, uh... But then, yeah, like what you were saying, I think you described it pretty perfectly. Like Trump helped kind of move that ball a little forward with just how well he managed to advertise that type of rhetoric in a, and then winning the yeah. election too. And I honestly like, don't know the way back from it. It's pretty, it's pretty worrying. Yeah, that's why we'll the, see. The next four years are really important. I think I think uh, honestly I really wish that we could have a third party be even mildly successful. I think people underestimate the impact that a third party would actually have um on our political discourse. Sorry, we're gonna say something, Matt. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say Oh, I was gonna liken the Trump is an accelerant to like kind of like rust. You know, if you heat something up really hot, you, rust is going to form. But it's it's not the heat that's causing the the oxidation to happen. It's just accelerating what was going to happen eventually over time. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think Trump is like that and that analogy, and the rust is like the what we're seeing now. It's what was happening, and it's a. Yeah, it's a symptom of something else. Maybe just the nature of uh, republics. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's more fatalistic. So, I'm not a very fatalistic guy. But, yeah. Um, I, don't know, I really think. I don't know. I think a third party would be good. It would give honestly... a reference point, even if it was like a shitty third party that was just sucked and didn't make any sense and nobody liked it. But somehow was still popular enough to challenge the other parties. <laughs> um, like any third party would be good as long as it was actually a real challenge to the other parties, because it would give a reference point and it would put those parties in a context, not just on this straight line. And I think it would be a moderating force. Any third party, even an extreme third party, would be an overall moderating force. Honestly, uh, Marcus, I feel like that. Re- I feel like that. Like a uh, feeling is so pronounced in American politics. The idea that, like, for the most part, people are just—is the term apathy? Is that what I'm trying to think of? Like, there's just like so much apathy for the two parties. I think at this point, 
like the establishment structure. That like, I just think it's so. I mean, they're, and they're honestly not actually all that different from each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why it, it, I think there's just so much apathy mm-hmm. that like people just want something different, which is why I think for the most part it allows like it, it just like it allows them to gravitate towards something that feels different, just because like oh my god, it's something different, and he's talking about stuff I want, or she's talking about stuff I want. Yeah, and well, it would also. Yeah. Put the parties, the other, the other two parties, in context of a third reference point, and you'd be able to see that things aren't as extreme as they seem. I guess because right, right now, yeah. like the extremism, I think, is what's really getting to us, and how everything is so high stakes. I mean, like all the fucking political text messages I was getting about vote this year. What about what? Uh, it was like. The fate of the nation and ergo the world is on the line. Oh, yeah. Like, the texts were so intense. Yeah. I was like, shit, if I took this seriously and I was getting these texts, I would go fucking yeah, like, crazy. S- stop the spread of, like, 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 it can happen here. Stop the spread of Nazism. Stop the Nazi. That type of stuff. I was getting shit like that. I was getting stuff like that yeah. from my friends. Yeah, there was like, and th- it's not a joke. <laughs> people are texting you actually thinking hey, yeah yeah that like uh, of course we're going to become more extreme if that's the stuff that's going on it's true and you're constantly I like I was getting a text like that a day yeah like the, that's what I mean by like months. normalized public discourse like uh yeah once that rhetoric comes in that that doesn't go away easily like um like who knows the type of people that might run like just toward during the midterms or something like that this year Mm-hmm. Like the type of voices that can get, that are easier to hear now. That would usually be like complete outsiders, because like, of course these types of voices or figures always existed within American politics. Like you could probably go back to like the eighties and seventies and see somebody say something just insane in the Congress that's like on tape or something like that. Or you know that amazing story about that guy that like beat a guy into like the hospital or to death prior to the Civil War or something like that. He just caned the guy in the Senate, just pummeled him. Like, like, there's all sorts of stuff yeah. like that. Like, it's not like those things aren't like new, but the fact that it's popular, like, like those voices, like a person that has that has kind of stated like all sorts of rhetoric that a Republican moderate candidate, like, like look at Mitt Romney and then look at Trump is what I'm trying to say. Like that, like when when you look at the rhetoric that they're saying, it is, it's just that type that type of rhetoric managed to get him into the White House. So like, mm-hmm. then it kind of like. So then, as I got just people latched onto it as like a because there's also in our country a recognition that there's tons of corruption in the political system, and at the end of the day, um, we're fucked. Basically, like as a people, as the American people are fucked because the system's actually against us. Um, And you you talk to most people, um, and you ask them if you think that politics is rigged and it's all like stacked against the average person they'll say yeah that's pretty much the size of it um and trump was a response to that in that he was saying yeah i'm gonna drain the swamp i'm gonna do this and that i'm gonna clean up business in washington and people were like yeah let's give it a try i mean it literally can't be worse than being screwed from birth like uh 
you want to hear <laughs> you a know? fun historical story? People are so of, desperate. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, exactly. Like when when you get yeah. so cynical about the establishment structure, you're going to go towards outsiders. Like it's just like I I can't get anything out of this, or like even the stuff you want, you will never get it. So then why stay there? Like I mean, George Carlin talked about this mm-hmm. a while ago. You know, mm-hmm. half of George Carlin's sketches he brought up how the fatalism in politics and people. Uh, like, it was a joke, and people laughed, but at the same time, he also wasn't joking, and people were kind of laughing, like, ha ha, yeah, that's, that's true. They laugh because it hurts. <laughs> yeah. They laugh because they relate. Yeah, it seems... Sorry, what's up, Matt? Yes, both parties have forgotten how to, uh, uh, how, how to appeal to the average person. I mean, Democrats like to pronounce that they are the party of the working class. Spoiler spoiler alert, they're not. They're really not. Um, no, Trump picked up uh, that. Yeah. That's yeah. that's what actually, that's why he won in 2016 and why it wasn't surprising at all when he did win is because he would hit Hillary from the left consistently in the debates. And that's why I really don't think he won this time. I, like, at the end of the day, I think that he didn't win because he wasn't using that populist um, working class rhetoric as much. Like he, I don't, he didn't really do it at all during the debates, and he never hit Biden from the left. Uh, and I don't think I think that's why he didn't win. Um, Seems like he was trying to moderate I'm himself so sure. a little bit during the election. Like he started going to like kind of like those catch-all phrases. Combined with like mm-hmm. a lot of stuff saying that the election was going to be rigged, almost to the point where he anticipated he was going to lose. Yeah, or just like I, create that like narrative, that self fulfilling prophecy, maybe too. I think he, and to some extent, I think he did it kind of on purpose with that, uh, with that, with that rhetoric. Like plant, plant. I think he was trying to plant that seed to try to convince people later on, even if he did lose, which he when he eventually did, uh, he could convince people on his side that the election was stolen from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of kind of create a ba- stab-in-the-back myth. Oh, good reference. Yeah, absolutely. Like, played to something yeah. that people already suspect. Yeah. So it yeah. makes it easier to swallow. Well, it yep. makes it easier to swallow because the primaries were <laughs> a joke. For oh. the past two cycles. And then, like, the initial and... voting, where they're talking, like, oh, we had the lead, then we lost it. And then, like, just, mm-hmm. like, the constant saying stuff like that. Like, of course, everybody, like, I feel like for the most part, people know, like, why they had the lead <laughs> initially. But well, it's like... not just the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. Oh, no, my mind is stuck. Go for it. The thing that Matt was saying earlier about how the parties forgot to, like, how to talk to the people, I think it's mostly, like, they don't need to know how to talk to the people like the people don't because we have this two party system and honestly the ads and stuff like that carries most of the weight anyway they don't need to know how to talk to the people they need to know how to talk to the people that are going to give them money yeah they got very comfortable with yeah, their the politi- big the big donors yeah. yeah it's the political machine they got very comfortable with how the public perceives them cuz it kind of became like almost like factory mill basically so yeah. then 
I guess they just weren't really expecting an outsider, and then once that happened, it's like they tried to kind of mold the establishment around it. I mean, I, I'm pretty I sure whoever wins the presidential election at this point is just the person that has the better hype campaign leading up to the election. Because everyone that's going to vote Democrat is pretty much already going to go vote Democrat, and everyone that's going to vote Republican is already going to go re- vote Republican. If they've already yep. picked their side, it's whether or not they go and vote. Um, and that's where your hype campaign matters. And the people that uh, that could vote, but then but choose not to vote, election cycle after election cycle. Yeah. And that's even so assuming. Lo- oh, sorry, Michael. So if you're a political party, I think whether whether what which side wins or not is basically boils down to how can if you could convince the people that normally don't vote election cycle to election cycle because they see because since both parties to them are really the, the same thing they're not going to represent them at all if you can convince them to vote your side you'll dominate every election cycle forever yeah, yeah. if you can talk them over if, yeah if you're a democrat and you convince those people, the people that normally don't vote, to vote on your side, then uh, you'll squash the Republican side for every election cycle and vice versa. Yeah, but the thing is, we have really short attention spans, so you need to reconvince everyone every election cycle. <laughs> um, like, yeah, they have to true. fight against the, the constant swill of political athlete. Like, my, my natural state mm-hmm. when it comes to politics is... Don't pay attention to anything, but at least just try to understand what exists, a little bit of what's going on. Like, just like, but like, don't get into it to the point where you can actually care. Like, that's my natural state. I just like, oh, it's McConnell. Oh, it's 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 Biden. What is he gonna say? And then he kind of says some old man type of gibberish, and then I'm just sitting there like, yeah. Then I like that's that's like my natural state of things. So that's why I like. I'm so used to that feeling, honestly. I feel like I can't uh, make my brain think something else, except unless I like make myself do it. And then you get to the point where it's like, does it even really matter which side wins? <laughs> too yeah, on hit, top of that, I hit that point like, so naturally yeah. that it's so hard to <laughs> fight against it. <laughs> I, like I don't even necessarily bother fighting against it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because I'm not sure it does. I mean, the big ticket items. Uh. Like our foreign policy stuff, that's not gonna change, really. We will never touch um, that. And they'll always disagree during the campaigning season, but uh, when it comes to the decision of whether to actually, you know, get out of the Middle East, we're not gonna get out of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the topic of um, immigration, we're generally gonna be against immigration, regardless of of whether left or right candidate gets in even though left is always like oh yeah immigration that's fine like it's not actually gonna have movement because there's other interests at play beyond the party lines you know yeah and that's really what counts because as we talked about before it's like it's not really the people that they need to convince like, there's it's not the enough, people uh, that are giving them money. <laughs> there's not enough political clout, clout in the public in their eyes to make to make us actually take precedence over their their major wealthy backers. Like we don't have enough. <laughs> we don't, there's not there's not enough punch there 
for them to actually need to care, I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. I think a good example, recent example of this is uh, in Georgia, one of the big campaign promises that the two Democratic uh, candidates, Warnock and Ozoff, I think, promised was, quote unquote, $2,000 checks for, for everybody there. Um, Where was this? But it, it looks like Georgia, Georgia, hmm. the, during the Georgia runoffs, the um, that was one of their big campaign promises. Uh, it, it started with after the House and the Republicans and Democrats passed a bill to give everybody a six hundred dollar relief <laughs> from the coronavirus, and then uh, Trump, the, the next just before they're about after they signed it, said that's six hundred dollars is not enough. We got to make it two thousand dollars, and cause kind of a rift within the Republican Party those supporting him and those not well event wait wasn't it after are we talking about the uh this most recent like 650 dollar 650 dollar stimulus check 600 dollar check or was it 600? soon after but 600 but wasn't uh, it uh yeah. also nancy pelosi got in there and talked him down too i don't think it was just a rift in the uh republican party yeah, it was a bipartisan stimulus bill that they finally managed to kind of like get through the door. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that, yeah. Yes, yes. But Trump, ap- immediately after it was passed, the very the next day, Trump tweeted out something like, uh, it's not a, $600 is not enough. We need to up it, we need to up it up to $2,000. Yeah, he was and, specifically. Well, that was his original plan. I believe. I believe his original plan no, was no. for a larger bill. No, it wasn't. That, that was when he talked he about remained it right silent there. On I remember it. seeing that speech because hmm. he, he posted it onto like, like people were reporting on it where he was bringing up how in that bill they were providing so much more money to other countries. That's what he was saying. He was using that as like an argument for why America needs more money. But then it's like the whole reason why that's the case is typically because they bundle bills together. So yeah. like... Like maybe like defense spending, like support funds or some crap like that, is built into the Corona like relief bill, where like that's why the million dollars are going to Egypt because they were supposed to send that money to Egypt for like the next annual I mean, quarter or whatever. The six fifty dollars is really just a fucking joke, but 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 um, I wasn't even to talk about sorry, that. I was talking yeah. about uh, in Georgia, so. So, uh, so Trump kind of undermined that bipartisanship immediately after that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, I agree. Six hundred dollars is a joke. So immediately, Democrats went on to that, latched on, said, "Yeah, we should. We really should just bring it up. To, we really should bring it up to two thousand uh, dollars." That's that was the rhetoric that the Georgia senators were using, the Democratic ones as a campaign promise then now finally there's a proposal by Biden but instead of $2000 it's $1400 <laughs> they they brought it back it's like congratulations you just fucking shot yourself in the foot they're like uh it's just they right. they know the conditions in the senate that's the problem right like they know that's that not the- even a uh, that's not even a big ticket item either. That's the <laughs> funny part. It's just <laughs> yeah, the Republicans are going to uh, like like Mitch McConnell's in a really good position to try to he can easily gridlock uh, Biden's 100 days 
if Biden really wants to uh, like push forward like student like debt relief and all the other stuff that he has proposed. So that's why he knows that he needs to in some way moderate his position further to make sure that the Democrats don't like, the Republicans don't like do some like crazy stuff to gridlock him and stuff like that because they're in a good position to do so and like anybody would do it in their position. Mm-hmm. Well, one one interesting thing about that though is that uh, one one way to bypass that that Biden could take is uh, the thing where when I remembered was amending the 2021 fiscal year spending bill or something like that. That because it was already passed, what I've heard is they don't. You don't need to, uh, the filibuster doesn't apply or something like that, and you'd only need fifty-one votes to actually amend it. They could probably like start making arguments that they're like cheesing them or something. Yeah. Apparently, some the Georgia voters feel betrayed, according to some polls. Because they said and, they were uh, going to get two thousand, and they're getting fourteen hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, to be fair to the Democrats, I suppose they are putting in some other stuff to help small businesses. So I think that's probably why they're shifting the funding from six hundred dollars a person to other stuff for small businesses and other stuff like that. Uh, to, and at the same time, to keep the total costs low to get some bipartisan support. Yeah, because they, they need some semblance um, of bipartisan support. The last thing they would want is to actually get like their first bills to only pass because of a Kamala Harris tiebreaker. It would make it sound like the yeah. Democrats are enforcing their will upon the Republican Party. And these fucking blanket. Yeah. These blanket. Everybody gets $1,400. What? Yeah. No, you, the problem though is you, the, you yeah. tax me more than that, and then you give some of it back. Why? Yeah. <laughs> what? what? No, think, give someone who actually it, needs it. <laughs> Shit. Fuck off. I probably. I don't know, man. Or man just wants to donate mine. Because <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. Mm. It's just so unbelievably stupid to me to give me. For the government to give me $1,400, they tax me more than $1,400 a year. Get the fuck out of here. I don't know. That's like a pretty privileged position for me to take, I guess. But like, I don't need it. Give it to someone who needs it. Like, like why you, are you giving you it back care, to me? Like, you would care more if it was actually like a focused relief bill. Like, a much more focused relief bill. It's useless. Yeah. What is anyone going to do with $1,400? They'll live for another little bit. Not even that long, depending on where they live. I mean, if you live in Minneapolis, that will pay for like two months of living. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe two months of living. What What are you doing? Give them way yeah. more than that. Like, someone who's actually down and out living in a big city, $1,400 is absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's insanely yeah. nothing. In fact... Isn't it insane too that it used to be six hundred dollars, even like less than half of that too? And now they're bar- now they're bickering over whether oh should we do a one time at two thousand or fourteen hundred? Like, bitch, it should be like for the people that need it, like two thousand dollars a month. How about some sort of like housing relief too? I don't know. Or like, like uh, what is it yeah. like rent relief? That was like a big thing. Like yeah, rent like- relief. Or, like, the people that, like, deadass don't have a mailing address for you to send the check. 
Oh my god, yeah. Or like a... Uh... Like, how about helping them? Like, they don't have a job, and they're homeless, and they're on the streets during a pandemic, and then now it's winter. Like, what, like... <laughs> uh, yeah, I understand. This is... I, don't even wa- I don't even want to imagine what a homeless shelter looks like right now. Like, I've, they're already, like, high capacity. Like, you now you need to be six feet apart from each other in a homeless shelter? And you're, you're giving me $1,400? Why? I don't understand. This is so absurdly stupid to me. It actually makes me a little bit upset. In a one-time payment, oh my God. I should add, too. It's not even... Yeah. Yeah. And it got talked down. Yeah. That's... It's incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah, first 600. Stupid. Yeah. First 600, then 2,000, and now, which is already willfully low, just a one time $2,000. Now it's getting even more diluted. Yeah. Oh, I kind of yeah. popped off there, but Jesus Christ. Oh, hey, it's all good. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. generally speaking, That's, it's just this not is providing what, the aid yeah. it, should, it really needs to be able to provide for people that need it is what I'm getting out of what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. And well, yeah. also, like, how about whatever whatever amount you pick, if you tax that person more than that, don't give it to them. Give it to someone else. Like, I it's a, it's so frustrating to me that they take this money out of my paycheck and then give it back to me. I like, you're, why? Yeah, as a one-time installment, <laughs> yeah. Well, they give it back to me, but yet, like, you tax me more than that. It's weird. It's it just is so strange to me. <laughs> Why don't you give me a tax break or something like that? I I don't know. They want they want instant stimulus, Marcus. And and it's not like so, it inspires getting six hundred dollars. It's not like that inspires me to go spend money either. Like honestly, I just save it. i or maybe like this bigger one. I'll probably donate it. Yeah, because they're not looking at you to spend it. They're looking at, like, maybe 60% to spend it in a way that uh, moves it. I don't know. Like, honestly, like, a lot of that type of stuff is usually because they just need somebody to spend it right now. Like, a good portion of it to spend it to kind of, like, I don't know, like, move the economy in a way or something like that. It's usually how I remember people talking about it to me. Yeah, I don't I don't think yeah. I'm spending any more than I would have without it. Um. I don't know many people that are, honestly. I don't think it actually inspires people. Especially not like something like 600 bucks. I'm like, cool. I like, have a extra 600 bucks in my savings. <laughs> yeah. I guess like for people that really need it, they're like, I guess I can spend this on uh, proper nutritional value. Yeah, like actually something. I don't something, know. Yeah. So, what would you say to the... There, are, there. I've heard, I've seen, I've heard some rhetoric from people I know that are um, saying, what about me making X Y Z? I'm not getting a six hundred something dollar check. Why? Why am I? Why am I getting nothing? Oh, exactly. Oh, like That's if the, if they followed yeah. my rant there and didn't give, only gave it to some people. Yeah. I mean, like, what if what if, what are they, what if they're saying? What if uh, for the for those few people that or those. I don't. Know, I shouldn't say, maybe say. I shouldn't say a few, but well, like the, uh, people that are still doing well despite the pandemic, and let's say they they go above the threshold, whatever the threshold for Eight is. Uh, their salary is, and they, they get nothing. What do they bitch and say? Well, wait a minute. Well, I'm getting nothing. Why should 
why should that chump over there get something? They they didn't save very well, and now they're out in the streets. But but I saved very well, and I'm able to survive. Why why should I? Why should he get something and I get nothing? That's what they're trying to avoid, probably by giving it to everybody. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I, I would that say. Yeah. Tough. T- I, you don't get unemployment, I guess. And a lot of people do. You don't get. Yeah. I, like, there's a ton of stuff that uh, the government provides to people unevenly based on uh, economic status. So, I guess I'm just a socialist. Look. Or don't give yeah. the stimulus. I don't know. I guess they need the stimulus check to boost the economy, but it just seems. I don't know what I would say to those people. Um, tough titties. I because I've met several. Yeah. Um, you call them what? Oh. Because I've met several of those people. Um, or I've seen that kind of rhetoric before. Um, don't don't get me wrong. I don't I don't agree with them. I think it should be a targeted. Yeah. Uh, it should be t- to the bottom, like fifty or thirty percent or whatever, that are really, really life and death struggling. Survive. Well, they're the ones there. that need it more. So yeah, I agree with that too. Yeah. Just speaking for myself, I'm in a very, with kind of with Marcus, I'm in a very privileged position, I suppose, because if I if I get six hundred dollars or not, to be honest, it really it literally makes no difference to me whether I get six hundred or two thousand dollars or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's and, probably better that they yeah. gave it to everyone than give it to no one. It's like barely better though. They should. <laughs> yeah. Like it's mostly the amount. I mean, if they gave a larger amount to everyone in the country, that would have been fine too. But it's like. People that don't need it hardly notice it, and people that do need it like don't notice it because it's so insultingly little that it makes so little difference in their lives. Yeah, they, like, they can live for two more months. Like they need like, like some actual uh, proper, more consistent aid to actually be able to survive. And I guess there's the bonus, yeah. like unemployment stuff. But let's say you're employed to, like. But you're scraping by because there's standards of living that are not met, even if you have a job, and then you're not compl- collecting unemployment. I know a lot of people that actually like uh, lost their job during the pandemic and started making more because of the bonus unemployment. So that's, that's yeah, but nice. there's a lot of rules behind unemployment too, though. I think it's uh, it's probably good that Biden's raising the minimum wage. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you look at supposedly. the We'll see if he actually yeah. manages to. to get that through. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you look at the cost living ver- of living as versus the what the wages are now, wages are have stagnated over the last like forty years, I believe, and the cost of living has gone way up. I dad and I did this calculation. We compared my starting salary for me straight out of college to his starting salary. And it turns out to within like $1, they are exactly the same when you take into account inflation. No, no joke. So for context, cause but, uh, I'm yeah. monkey brain right now. What exactly does that mean? What that means is, um, this, the cost of living has gone way up, but because, 
the wages have not gone up to reflect that, you're it it becomes a lot more difficult to live now than it was financially speaking than it was 40 years ago in the 80s because your dad my father graduated your dad's starting wage is basically basically the exact same thing you got is what you're saying right yeah when you take when you take inflation into account but the cost of living back then was a lot lower again taking to again taking inflation to account versus today yeah okay i got you i just wanted to make sure i understood it yeah people are needing as much uh high fructose corn syrup so food costs more. <laughs> i don't know <laughs> shit like that yeah food's more expensive rent's more expensive cars uh, luxury goods are more common as a purchase probably yeah. healthcare Car insurance, oh, God, yeah. college. Oh, yeah. oh, especially, yeah, college is very... It basically costs as much as a house to go to college, yeah. it, assuming you have no uh, financial yeah, aid of I've any kind. To, um, I've had to set up Obamacare for my parents and my uh, and myself like in the past couple months, and we had to do unemployment. And, like, all that stuff is new to me, so I'm probably like doing it all wrong right now. But like, I really hope I'm still following everything correctly. But it's just weird because like everything I at all the stuff they ask me now, like they at, they ask me, oh, have you taken unemployment? And I like, uh, and like unemployment like benefits. Have you? Uh, I just don't. I'm, it's gonna be my first tax season uh, doing unemployment and stuff like that. So I'm very curious what exactly is gonna happen because I have no idea. Yeah, it's a little disconcerting, but yeah, it's weird. Speaking of taxes, I'm going to have to worry about that for the first time ever yeah. this year. Um, uh, this is only from the first time that used, but my brother also recommended it. Uh, I think uh, last year we used H&R Block. That was pretty easy. Like It was much more straightforward than I thought it would be, is what I should say. But like, my brother recommended that, and uh, I, I trust my brother's opinion on this type of stuff. Yeah. Well, because we're, we're young and single... Um, well, single under meaning we're, I don't think any of us are married. Uh, so yeah. we don't, at least for me, I don't have any ass. I don't have any real assets. So yeah, my taxes compared to what my dad has to do is going to be a lot easier yeah. since my dad is a business, small business owner. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. cool. I think, did you, have you brought this up before? Yeah. I don't think oh. so. But yeah, my dad founded uh, his business uh, eight year, nine years ago. It's 2012. After he spent a few some time at uh, Boston Scientific, and um, yeah, he had to learn a lot of stuff by hand. He he, he had to learn how to a lot of accountant accounting stuff for his first few years. It was uh, kind of. Trial by fire is what I, what I would call it. Yeah, tax laws yeah. are complicated. <laughs> I yeah. I don't even have complicated <laughs> taxes, and I struggle through mine every year. Like, what the fuck do you, are they talking about? Yeah, jargon. I love that jargon. Shouldn't that be a, a bipartisan? An, or a non-partisan issue, though, simplifying the tax code. There's got to be some redundancy 
in there. Well, I feel like, like uh, it's got to be a better enough way. people. I feel like probably like certain uh, bases of influence benefit from a complicated tax code. Oh, it's uh, the complicated tax code was like the whole generated I, by lobbyists almost like exclusively yeah. by it's lobbyists to, it's to deliberately cheese certain stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's designed with a purpose to. They figured out they could uh, make a lot more money giving. It like a few hundred thousand to a pol- politician's campaign, and then having all these fancy tax breaks that are specially tailored for their business. Um, they made a lot more money that way than uh, paying taxes. <laughs> yeah. Because yes. our sorry, sorry, America, but your ta- our tax system is fucking retarded. <laughs> it's with with a capital R. I mean. Wouldn't it, it's wouldn't it make so much more sense if the government would calculate your taxes for you, send you the bill, then you can either uh, say no, you're wrong, here's here's documentation to prove it, or or you just shut up and pay it. I think like yeah, what Marcus was gonna get is designed like, to troll. Like it, <laughs> yeah, like 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 every other fucking bill on the planet. Oh my god, yeah. Nope. No, you need to figure it out, and you need to pay them the money, and if you're wrong, they're going to come after you. <laughs> they will <laughs> arrest you for a federal crime. Oh, oh you forgot, you missed, you missed that? But yeah, it's, it's the system's bought and paid for by people with money. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they can make more money based on the fucked up tax code that they jury-rigged Yes. by lobbying politicians and giving the politicians money. I don't like lobbyists. If you, if you can't tell, it's, I think it's uh, um, one of the portions of uh, of kind of like the American political structure that's like the most like uh, open to our uh, just you know plebeian eyes to how it actually runs, and it's just really depressing to look at it. The lobbyist stru- lobbying structure. Yeah, yeah, like because it's like yeah. the most it's the most public view and way that we can interpret into how it's run actually. <laughs> Well, you can just see that that because most of most campaigns, like uh, political campaigns, have open books. You can see the donations and see like, oh shit, this company gave them like one point two million dollars or something. Yeah, and it's just so. Um, <laughs> or maybe not that much, but, but like, but, like it, you know. It, but it is public. You can see it exactly. Like you can just see like, oh yes, yes, corporate buddy, <laughs> yes, right there. Do you see that son, corporate buddy? <laughs> oh, Target just threw that much money at that politician. Oh, that politician's lob- <laughs> arguing for this fucking policy that will directly benefit Target. I wonder why. The head scratcher yeah. moment right there. I mean, nobody here works at Target, so I'm not going to get you in trouble, right? <laughs> I mean, I, t- I work as a retail nope. guy at Target, but nothing... The- Target's like, <laughs> you're fired? <laughs> nothing, that would nothing cause me to be purged <laughs> from that job. It's like such an expendable job. Target <laughs> request your location. <laughs> All of a sudden, I get a call you from Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Even if you get fired from Target, just I don't know. Go work at like Walmart or Amazon. Unless or, I get like uh, I don't know. <laughs> unless Matt they put me on the blacklist because of that or something like that. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, shit, forgot about that. <laughs> they're like, don't touch this guy. He said something. <laughs> oh God, he said something. <laughs> He called me a meanie poopy face <laughs> on a on a podcast that maybe a couple hundred people watched. In total. <laughs> yeah, ever. <laughs> maybe They're gonna someday. Ruin us. I sure hope 
we someday get to a couple hundred people listening to this. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh my god. But yeah, I think um, I think we covered a pretty healthy amount of topics today. Got, got into some nice yeah, and fun did. tangents. Yeah. Um. Yep. Everything. Everything's bought and paid for. Um, yep, yeah, 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 we got the politics we got the is a joke. Um, yeah, we're all screwed. The riots, yeah. Look up George Carlin; he'll tell you. George Carlin's a phenomenal comedian. I recommend uh, him too. I just think it's insane that like you talk to most people and they'll acknowledge that it's that it's a sunk system. Like everything's yeah. bought and paid for. This is it, a pretty. It's, uh, it's like common knowledge. It's crazy that it's such common knowledge, and everyone's just like, "Yeah, that's fine." <laughs> it's a pretty significant like, consensus in American uh, pub- in the American public about how much they kind of despise the structure of the establishment, but that we just kind of like, well, the talking point is just so strong that like self interest plays such a role into how we feel about it even afterwards, while yeah, still honestly, being like, like super uh, like self aware of how of what they're doing. <laughs> watching these debates, it's just like it looks like a sports broadcast. Like the <laughs> the commentary honestly just reminds me of sports commentary. Oh my god! Just watching, watching What's football. The, the greatest irony of it all is that, at least theoretically, we have the power to. We, the people, have the power to change it too. Yeah, we're slowly giving I mean, up that power, all, like willingly, though. Yeah, we're supposed yeah. to be the we, the, the absolute check. Like, yeah. Literally, all we have to do, at least in, again theoretically, is just not simply don't vote for the people that are uh, bought and paid for it. Just vote for the people that promise you they're not going to, to do that. But what and are their names? Actually, And actually follow through. You don't see them on the news. No one else is going to vote for them. What's the point? Yeah. Well, and I have that, this party, that, and yeah. this party is the lesser evil. So, whichever party If we keep talking party this, I'm going to actually get convinced to storm the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Whichever party yeah, I'm talking just, about right now, they're the yeah. lesser evil. So I'm gonna go for them. Yeah, they they suck 100 percent of the time. I only suck like 80 percent of the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 90 percent of the time, and uh, you got to vote for me because I only suck 90 percent. Honestly, it's it's come to this, right? It's come to this. It's it's like he's walking in. It's like a it's like a complete failure of like a of like a person that you've known for so long, and you seem to like listen, buddy. Before before you say anything. Just listen to me. That guy sucks more. <laughs> like that's what, that's what it's basically ended up being. <laughs> yep. Oh. Uh, a, and then the third party comes in. Yeah. Yeah, the third party. Good old third party. We just need someday. We, let's just shatter both parties. We just yeah. need a multi-party system. I need pluralism. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's trying to convince the majority of America because apparently. Didn't we talk about this on the le- on a previous podcast that apparently we need a majority of the electoral college to even like get a president elected? Otherwise, it goes to the Senate. Yes, that's wild. Yes. That almost that yeah, but- really lends itself to a two party system. It's so weird. It's just like there's it's so yeah, ingrained right now. Like, it's just like it would take something truly incredible to break uh, the establishment well, in such a way. Even if you get a minority majority, so like uh, you have three parties, you get thirty-four percent, and you know the other ones are less than that, <laughs> or whatever the fuck. <laughs> Just, then it goes to the Senate, you know, and then whoever, whichever party's the majority in the Senate, would then put their their boy 
in office, not not whoever got elected. Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree with you then there. <laughs> because, yeah, it's yeah. There's too much party loyalty even within like the elites of all the parties. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a democratic majority Senate, then you're gonna get a Democrat. You need to have a majority. Or like, yeah, a majority in the Senate, or at least a large part of the Senate, for that third party, and you'd need to get the other two parties to have less than fifty percent. Funnily, funnily enough, and maybe uh, kind of in a morbid, depressing way, this kind of ties to the Nazi Party in some ways, because like uh, the established parties were basically so hell bent on not allowing the right wing or like the extreme left wing, because the extreme left wing, for obvious reasons, they're already beating the crap out of them in the. Uh, and like fighting them off in the streets, but for the fat for, for like the fascists and Nazis, like in a, and also in a serious way, they didn't want them to be part of a coalition because that would like you know legitimize the extremely right wing parties in Germany. But then Germ, the, but then the Nazi Party got so big, and so uh, they, they I think they got like enough uh power within the Weimar Republic eventually. That like uh they needed to be uh to have their attention on them. As like a as a political force within the Reichstag, so like that's kind of like an example of what you're talking about. I guess to the point where you need like an outsider group to not only establish itself but be in a position to have to be noticed, like no, like mm-hmm. not lose its momentum. But then it's unfortunate I'm using such an extreme example, but uh, that's the only <laughs> example I could think of. Yeah, you. Uh, I'm not trying. To, you weren't I, just <laughs> you weren't just role playing when you were playing Hearts of Iron, huh? <laughs> no, <laughs> never. <laughs> Going full send Nazi. Every country I play as in Hearts of Iron, Marcus, I believe in their ideology fully. <laughs> it can lead to very confusing internal conflict. Every I'm sure. single one of them, yeah. I believe in with all of my heart. <laughs> you must have a very fun brain. <laughs> oh my god! But I f- feel like what's up, Matt? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was talking over John. For oh a no, bit. no, it's good. Go for it, man. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like though, if we if we adopted a system where uh, instead of an absolute majority of electoral votes is needed, uh, some like a relative majority is what I'll call it, like th- like the thirty four percent example. Mm-hmm. If we did that, that I don't know for sure, but I th- I think the reason the founders did not do that was because they wanted whoever became president they wanted them to really represent the entire country mm-hmm. and so therefore you need they wanted them they wanted the, a future president to be forced to change their rhetoric in a way that would get 50 plus percent of the populace to support you that makes sense. if you don't even have if you don't even have 50 percent you know how how can you claim to be represent the country uh rep- representing the other yeah. uh, percent. So if you got 34%, how could you claim to be representing the uh, the other 69%? Yeah, I definitely won't ever be yeah. on this podcast saying, uh, positing a change to the Constitution, at least not in the, any foreseeable future, because um, I don't even claim to be close to as smart as the Founding Fathers or as well researched in political philosophy as the founding fathers constitutional law <laughs> yeah i'm not going to be uh 
Yeah, we should change that because clearly that doesn't make any sense. I mean, they they probably had some pretty damn good reasons because they're they were political philosophers, like. And not even them only, but also all the many other intelligentsia and legalists that mm -hmm. would analyze and then even modify from a state or national or constitutional level our policies yeah. from 1776 all the way to 2021. I mean, like, I know a bit about Roman history. The founding fathers, like, seemingly were religiously well-read on not only, like, previous R Roman political history, but also, like, political history from all over. Uh, <laughs> so... Yeah. yeah, they clearly knew what they were doing in terms of politics. Uh, they they probably knew better than me. Yeah, we're just we're just venting about current model modern problems and yeah, just it overall just venting. How to use the system that those very smart people came up with to uh, yeah. <laughs> address might, current problems. There's a couple of things. With that being said, I think there there's a couple of things that I might that that I might change if if I had the chance. Yeah. Not not to change anything fundamental, but to kind of answer some uh, some some longstanding qu constitutional questions. One might one, for example, might be a, an amendment saying a president cannot pardon himself. Mm. Yeah, that one is like it is like like. Uh, I can understand it from like a national stability mindset, but yeah, it's from from the times that it's been used, specifically the whole Watergate one with Ford, and then yeah, I think probably what with, I mean, Trump's pardoned quite a few people, right? Hasn't he? Like for his last day, then he pardoned like a whole bunch of people, like Steve Bannon and stuff. Yeah, he pardoned like over a hundred people in his last yeah, day. Yeah, like, it went pretty ham. Yeah, that's like it's. And it's it's a little sus, is what I should say about it. Yeah. It, it. It doesn't feel right sometimes to look at it. That one person can just be like, "Yeah, you're fine. You're good to go." Yeah, like I like I can kind of in like a very absent-minded mindset, but see it as like a a way to ensure that there isn't like some kind of like crazy aftershock if like the country's in crisis and like maybe a president had to make some extremely difficult decisions. So, Matt, you're saying, like, a checks and balances on the pardon? Yeah. Yeah, I think... The presidential pardon. I don't know I don't know about... Yeah, but I don't know what that would look like beyond what I already said, but I think one thing that, that needs to be on the table is a clarification on uh, can the president pardon himself of oh. any criminal wrongdoing? Oh, you mean, like, wrongdoing? Got, oh, not, like, pardoning other people... But like no, hurting himself. Yeah, that was specifically like when he brought up his example. He was talking specifically about a president pardoning himself, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. That right now, it's never been tested before. Does that happen? Thank God. No, but, uh, uh, Ford. No, uh, but we got perilously. So what happened with Nixon was he resigned, and then Gerald Ford pardoned Nixon. If I remember correctly, is what happens. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep. And then. Uh, if supposedly Nixon was thinking about pardoning himself, the Office of Legal Counsel under the DOJ uh, presented an, an opinion, legal opinion, saying that that was an, that was unconstitutional because it would violate the general consensus that no one can be a judge, jury, and executioner 
for themselves. And reportedly, Trump was also considering doing the same thing, but, um, you know, especially since he has put, I think, three Supreme Court justices on the Supreme Court, I don't know if they would uh, uh, go with that OLC opinion or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that would, I think that would just be absolutely damaging if. If, if that did happen, if the Supreme Court ruled, oh, actually, a pre- sitting president can pardon himself. So one hell of a president. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, so I think it does need to be on the table. One way or the other, that question needs to needs to get resolved to the to the no side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I can. Agree. What other changes? If you have them off the top of your head, um, I can't really think of any more off the top of my head mm. than that. I think that's really all the kind of changes that we would need. Some uh, some clarification on some long-standing constitutional theory. Is that comma supposed to be there? Are we supposed to have the right <laughs> to keep and bear arms? I don't understand. This this is like. <laughs> Usually, this type of stuff is actually like uh, debated and discussed. Like a lot of like very significant uh, court cases, kind of like laid the precedents for many things that we have now. Like Miranda rights is an example, or yep. like uh, like kind of like conditions on when things can be applied. Like I think there was a uh, there was a court case in Texas during uh, uh, the Reagan presidency where a guy burned a flag there, and it was uh, stated there at that court case that. Um, like burning a flag is like a portion of your First Amendment rights. That's like, it, yep. it is like something that you you as a American are allowed to do, and it's protected under the First Amendment or something like that. Like, that's why it was really shocking when Trump said that people should go to prison for burning the flag. <laughs> yeah, like there's a there's a lot of like those it's type like, of whoa, uh, okay. there's a lot of those type of things where like there's always like cases where they like further expand upon constitutional law with uh, court cases because if I remember correctly, U.S. law uh, he- is like heavily swayed towards precedents, like what we what other case other cases concluded on. So that's why like uh, mm. so that's I, I took one U.S. law class in uh, college. I wish I paid attention more because it was so interesting, but I was a uh, I was a lazy crap uh, when I was taking it, but um, man, I wish our AP Gov class was better. Honestly, in high school, yeah, like I, I really wish I had paid more attention to some of my classes, even in college, because like I feel like I, like I could have learned a lot more. <laughs> Honestly, maybe like I was mostly asleep during AP Gov, to be fair, but I also heard that it was like. Well, I can tell I'm you, bad. as a while a lazy person, I was paying attention to the classes that I didn't get anything out of class if that's what you're talking about right I, now. I, I recall from when I was awake I recall him flipping through like 15 slides and then like slamming on the board yep this is important you need to remember this yeah, that, that, and like, then like no, he was terrible. flipping through 10 more slides yeah. and then stopping and then doing that again like, and being like this is important I learned I learned plenty from <laughs> honestly like just from a material standpoint like pink APCP like just like yeah. the general information was actually like the institutional information that I remember paying attention to actually helped me a lot with my other comparative politics classes in uh, college and stuff like that. 
Like, I just directly applied the stuff I still remember from that class to those in plenty of cases, and it actually helped me out a lot. See, uh, government, I got nothing out of it. I got straight up nothing out of it. From, yeah. From his, <laughs> from his teaching, I should say. <laughs> I didn't get anything out of it. I, I got some good laughs. Um, I got a imprint burned into my mind of dick bulging out of his pants. Um, but other than that, I learned uh, yeah. what not to do as a teacher in some cases, if I ever be one. <laughs> not, not that ever like whipped it out, but like, man is well endowed, or he wears a nut cup, one of the two. It was in front of what, his I face. I was napping, but not like, yeah. <laughs> I was napping in class, and then like one day I woke up and my head was just at crotch light height, and I was like, whoa, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hopefully, Mrs. Calm down, dude. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> she walks straight. <laughs> I think on that note we should call it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. <laughs> on that note, stay safe, everybody. Uh, <laughs> don't get Ebola. Learn more about the Constitution, because clearly we don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Um, this is important. You need to know this. Yeah. Um, flip through ten more slides. Yes. Skim the oh. slides. Yep, exactly. All right. <laughs> I hope you all enjoyed listening and have a great day, night, or whatever the hell. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.